0: to Authors on the Air. I'm your host, Pam Stack. We're proud to be part of the Authors on the Air Global Radio Network. Last night, I tried to do this interview with my friend, Will, Will Vajaro, but he had connectivity issues with his cell phone carrier. And of course, I live in South Florida where we have storms and hurricanes and all, all kinds of wonderful things. So we're trying it again tonight. But first, let me tell you about Will. Um, He will not talk about himself. He will talk about Thrillville, which is the life that he lives with his beautiful wife, Monica. Thrillville is the virtual headquarters for the gonzo pulp fiction of Will the Thrillvajaro. He's a freelance writer, a film programmer, a live music booker, Tiki Lounge Lizard, and B-movie impresario. For many years, Will and his wife Monica the Tiki Goddess Cortez hosted a live cult movie cabaret called Thrillville featuring classic drive-in and grindhouse cinema and live burlesque acts, which you rarely hear about anymore, Uh, and by the way, they're still around, which still influences work today. So if you want to learn more about Will Vajaro, go to thrillville.net. In the meantime, I'm so happy to welcome back to Authors on the Air by Popular Demand, Will Vajaro. Hi, Will. Welcome back.
1: Hey, Pam. I hope you're doing okay there in Florida with Dorian on the way.
0: Yeah, I'm praying that Dorian stays on the East Coast and doesn't travel here to the West Coast. Um, As we were talking in the green room, I was reminiscing that it was almost two years to the week that I was chased out of my old place by Hurricane Irma. So I'm a South Florida girl, born and raised. I'm used to hurricanes, but they are a nuisance, I'll tell you that. So what's happening with you? I haven't seen you on social media because, once again, you (laughs) are the The felon from Facebook because you post um, pictures and make comments about the things that you love, particularly women, uh, in the pulp and and grindhouse and burlesque, old movie posters and things like that. So you got bumped off Facebook for a month this time, which is kind of depressing Uh, because, you know, I like following your stuff.
1: Well, actually, I get this is the second time I've been bumped for a month. Same reason, but it wasn't because of any pictures.
0: Uh, uh-huh. Usually,
1: it really comes down to it comes down to two things: the nipples. It's really about nipples. the nipples. <laughs> it, you can pose side boob and eat bras, you know, and everything else. And I have a lot of friends in the burlesque community because I used to book burlesque acts for Colville right. and and they consider themselves uh, feminists and performance artists. And actually, the reason I got bumped this time wasn't for any pictures because I, I scour my pictures before I post them to make sure there's not even a hint of a nipple because there's this mass psychosis in society that's anti nipple. And there's actually a, a uh-huh. org organization, you know, fighting back, and it's a whole movement. Right. But anyway, right. um, I'm, the, I'm the poster boy. So I guess uh, I just, all I did was I was about to go to a local jazz club and do a live reading my latest book, Vic Valentine, Private Eye, 14 vignettes, backed by Dimitri Mavrides, the famous, uh, excuse me, uh, band, which was mm-hmm. just a dream. He asked me uh, to to come do a reading, and his band would play behind me at this jazz club, Tulas, which unfortunately wow. is closing soon. So I was I was posting about that, and I said this is the coolest gig I've had since I read with Naked Girls Reading. Uh, about eight years ago in San Francisco, the San Francisco chapter. It's a national organization. Naked girls reading. It's exactly that. It's it's mostly burlesque artists, but you know, women, you know, from all backgrounds who get on stage and read from books, and they have guest readers. So Monica and I were invited to the San Francisco chapter by our friend Stephanie, A.K.A. Lady Monster, in San Francisco in 2011, I think. And I read from my novels, Lavender Blonde and A Mermaid Drowns in the Midnight Lounge, and mm-hmm. I was wearing my robe and my trademark fez hat, Monica had a robe right. so we weren't naked, so I posted pictures of us reading and the poster from the event, and in the comment section, I just threw in a link to Naked Girls Reading, the website, that was it, just a link, boom, 30 days in jail, immediately, and I posted it on my page, my Thrillville Press page, and Thrillville Theater page, boom, and I appealed, so just linking to a site that has nipples now is forbidden, so it's just so psychotic, with, with, oh, this, this, with all the horrible things on Facebook that I go through every day, and if I don't like it, I ignore it. But I, right. I don't understand their algorithms' uh, prejudice against the female nipple. It's so psychotic. So it, 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 you know, my whole fiction is kind of a protest against this puritanism in our society, which is completely hypocritical. I mean, look who's president. Uh, right. So I'm, I, my, my, late, the book I'm working on now is called Bahara, uh *Cocktails of Sex and Death*, uh, which are just little stories about just that, uh, sex and death, in my own, I'd like to think, unique style. Although when you're on social media, you realize you're not that unique. Uh, but well, I call it well, the horror because I don't I know think, what else to call this, this this genre hybrid I do.
0: But I think that you are unique. Um, first of all, I think you're one of the most intelligent men I've ever spoken to. Um, if wow. anyone un- understands what feminism is, and you don't even have to say the word it's just the way you live your life you know you're kind of yes. um you know don't don't infringe i'll never infringe on your rights and just don't infringe on mine you you really make right. no excuses for who you are and i appreciate that um i i like someone who's kind of a straight shooter and a smart ass at the same time because that's kind of my <laughs> gig too I, I you know i appreciate right. that in someone who can just say say whatever you want but don't expect me to have to buy into your stuff. You know, this is me, and this is who I'm going to be. I'm going to be true to myself. I like that very much. And and I like well, your well, – I, I went through a bunch of your pictures and your posters and stuff like that. as Marfax, I posted them on the uh, gallery for this show. So there's all kinds of crazy stuff that you always post, and it, it is up on the live show gallery. So anyone who's listening, they'll be scrolling through oh, and seeing it. I love your show. Don't get stuff. banned. Don't get banned, Pam. Listen, uh, you know, you can say anything you want on this show because it has nothing to do with Facebook. So, you know, right. I mean, it's it's crazy you can uh, say anything you want on Twitter or any other social media site and you don't right. get banned, but Facebook, you know, you have people calling others names and saying the most hateful things and you go to oh. Naked Women Reading and you get banned. It's it's the craziest thing to me. There's there's well, no right way to for sure it. If it
1: I'm not sure if I got banned because it promotes nudity or it promotes literacy. Yeah, well, it could so, be a little both. one vote. or the other. Yeah. Yeah, I think so. I mean, they're. they're <clears throat> I think if, like I was saying. These women think they're artists. They're not. They don't. They're not strippers. And I have nothing against strippers either. I think if any any person of any gender of any race who who makes a decision to to do to express themselves a certain way, uh, they're not being exploited if it's their decision, and that includes prostitutes. Right strippers, burlesque dancers, and also burlesque dancers in particular really are artists. And in my books, uh, the women are the dominant species, I mean, over the men, especially Vic Valentine. Uh, my right. wife, is a very, who is a feminist, uh, Native American, Mexican-American uh, feminist, is, um, is beautiful, and uh, she has no problem with nipples, uh, because she has some, we all have some, right? Uh, or, or the expression of, I mean, she, she wouldn't share her own, but that's her choice. I'm just right. saying, uh, she is a feminist. A lot of these blessed cancers consider themselves feminists. So and my and my wife is a very strong, intelligent woman. She's she's getting she's a PhD now in, in drama at the right. University of Washington. So but the thing is, if you don't agree with this point of view, you can scroll past me or block me, or you know, but censorship is really what this comes down to. And I just I don't understand censorship in this society. It's so it's so hypocritical and puritanical and it seems like it's getting worse.
0: I agree with you. Um and that's why when someone comes on here i just say please don't talk about politics or religion but you can cuss all you right. want you can tell me your pov <laughs> you know whatever you want to say is fine and and i you know unless someone calls in and they're nasty which thank gosh you know when you do live radio you have a 3 second switch so i can chop them off real fast right. but but i, I kind of you know i'm all about books and creative people right. writers and and other right. people that create different kinds of art And and by the by, burlesque is, has a very strong following. It, it seemed to have died out for a while and now it's coming back. And I don't know if that is because, um, I'm not sure if that's because, um, drag shows became very popular. And so people, part of, you know, I think, I think that, the older generation might remember it and thought it was very titillating. But the fact of the matter is, it is an art form. It is a dance. It's an expression. And it's really fun to watch if you go to someone who knows what they're doing. You know, it's not yeah. campy well, in it's any an way. An and it's, it is it is very form. much an art form. Yeah. So, you know, I'm well, all about... Go ahead. Yeah, go ahead. It's, well, it's your... I guess no. what I was going
1: to say was... Uh, what, what I was going to say was... Uh, like the new, all of my books really are about loneliness, uh, but they deal strongly and explicitly with, with sex and death, which are two of the big taboo issues, issues in our society and our culture. And for me, it's like you, human beings have this fear of their own corporeal um, reality, like their bodies. They just don't, yes. they're afraid of sex and they're afraid of death. And that dominates politics. And art and religion and you know people go to war over it. So th- everything boils down to sex and death, which is procreation and then you know and and our mortality. So it just right. seems to me that uh, I, I I like to just cut to the chase. And so a lot of people write, ha- have sex and violence in their work, and I'm very graphic with, with particularly sex. I'm not really a vi- into violence uh, as much as sex, unlike most of our culture where it's the opposite. Uh, right. But I figure if you're going to go there, you should go there. So I, but my books, the, the, those are superficial trappings. There is a lot of explicit sex and, and stuff, but it's like I said, it's really about the loneliness of the human condition. That's really what all of my books have in common. That's really what they're about. So you have to kind of get past the lurid covers, although you don't have to. I mean, I, I they're lurid for a reason, and that's my personal aesthetic. But that's not really what they're about.
0: You know, um, I so. The new one, um, the 14 vignettes, is uh-huh. very interesting uh-huh. because the descri- the description of it on Amazon is this, um, about <laughs> Vic Valentine: private eye. Lounge lizard, international man of misery, space cadet, dog walker, lover, loner, fighter, fool. Vic Valentine has been all these things and more and less, much less. So I love that description because isn't that every man at some po- or woman at some point in his life, his or her life?
1: Well, the, you- this is the
0: uh, this, this is this kind of this is a, a
1: series of short stories that take place throughout his life, going back mm-hmm. to when he was very young. So it fills in gaps in the entire series. And the previous three books, Vic Valentine, International Man of Misery, Vic Valentine, Lounge, Visitor for Hire, and Vic Valentine, Space Cadet, are what I call the mental case files, kind of a sub trilogy right. of the series, where he basically loses touch with reality, and they're extremely surrealistic, and, to- and they're told from his point of view, and he's an unreliable narrator. So I've completely broken away from conventional crime fiction. I've never considered myself a crime writer anyway, and even the stuff that's kind of like crime, is, it's, it's, it was, it's hard to sell. In that genre, I mean, it's noir, but it's not exactly crime, if you know, that, if you understand that distinction, which you do. So, and uh, so basically, the vignettes are a summation, and and they're filling in gaps. And I, I'm very proud of it because I just, I just think I really captured the essence of
0: McValentine, kind of at the end of his journey, going back to the beginning, and kind of looking back around. You know, um, when you were on a couple of years ago, I asked you, what did you consider noir and what did you consider pop. Oh, I'm going to ask you the same questions because your um, explanation was so good and so vivid, and, and it, it made those – Uh, images to me very real I I immediately understood what you were talking about because at the time I was just starting to read noir noir crime fiction and I had started Mm -hmm. noir on the radio you remember that's when you were Mm -hmm. on yes and um Mm -hmm. and so you you really explained it well so I'm going to ask you again what is noir and what is pulp
1: well um uh, both – they can't be interchangeable. You can have pulp noir. Uh, basically, pulp is exploitation. That's how I see it. I mean I, it goes back to the 30s when you had these uh, cheaply made magazines that were made from uh, really, really cheap paper, practically like tissue paper, and that was – was, it was called pulp. They were called pulp magazines, but
0: mm-hmm.
1: these these writers like Lester Dent and, and others uh, churned out – and, and H.P. Uh, Lovecraft. Just turned out stories uh, month after month for a living, and they dealt with you know the base elements of human nature. Again, mm-hmm. still down to sex and death, and and it, the lurid covers and the stories, and they were they weren't going for any highbrow literature. Although a lot of them were really excellent writers, they really wanted to be respected writers. But this is how they could make a living. So some of them, like you know Ray Bradbury and others, came out of pulp, uh, Robert Highland and others, and achieved a lot of uh, uh, acclaim later. Um, but some of them, like Jim Thompson and David Goodis, just kind of stayed in that loop, and, and they weren't discovered till they were almost dead. Or Phil K. Dick is another one, uh, or they were already dead. So basically, it, it, you're on the su- you're superficially uh, appealing to uh, uh, base instincts of human nature, um, but underneath, it's really about the desperation of. of Humanity as a whole, and that's what we all have in common. You know, we're all here for a short amount of time, we don't know for how long. We have all these distractions around us, all these mysteries around us, and not a lot of time to figure them out. And Vic Valentine isn't so much a detective about uh, uh, crime itself as opposed to crimes of the heart and the mystery of his own existence. Noir, for me, can be distinct from crime fiction, for instance, because it's really about that bleakness, it's about that despair and desperation. In a way, Bukowski's kind of noir. I mean, it really distilled right. down to its essence. The crime element came, you know, was was there from the beginning because you had writers like James M. Kane and Raymond Chandler and Dashiell Hammett, and they wrote crime right. novels, and then and then film noir uh, is was a it, it was a genre that was coined such in retrospect by the French. Right. Um, and, you know, uh, starting in the early 40s and then the post-war period when, you know, soldiers were coming home, and they couldn't find jobs, and a lot of them were desperate. And my friend Eddie Muller, the czar of noir, who now hosts his own show, Noir Alley on TCM, who, I'm, who I've known for 20 years, uh, he described noir as uh, – it's people who uh, – they, they know they're doing, they're doing something wrong. They know they're doing something self-destructive, and they do it anyway because they're trying to to get something that they want. So it's basically not so much amorality, just the the desperation of their situation, which I really related to more than the the crime element. Maybe some of them turned to crime. So I like writers like John Fonte and Charles Bukowski, who I still read now for fun, and Jim Tossett and David Goodwin. I don't Bob know how Wilford. you could read Bukowski
0: because, for fun, because it's so hard uh, to read. It's hard to read him, and I don't know how you read it for fun. You know, it, you know it takes well, me you a have, long time. You know why? Everyone
1: likes what they can relate to. And I used to live in cheap residential hotels. I've I've lived just above street level. I've lived in places where there is, you know, hookers and pimps and drug addicts. So I know that element, but I wasn't among them. I mean, even going back to when I was in junior high and high school, I never fit into any clique or group. I'm like that now on social media. I have friends in each group, in each clique, but I'm not really of any of any of them. I just kind of like I'm I'm a lone wolf by nature. So what I like Bukowski is easy to read, and but really because it's about what's going on in his head. The plot, the narrative is incidental. That's I really read for voice. Even Raymond Chandler, I don't understand any of his plots, and he doesn't either. I read. I love Philip Marlowe <laughs> for his voice. I love Holden yeah. Caulfield for his voice. You know. Um, so I really read, even now for voice, I have, I don't pay attention to storylines. I'm kind of separate from a lot of other writers that way. I really just care about the mood, the atmosphere. I'm that way with movies and music, too. I just really like the mood. It, it, it makes me feel. I just really like how it, I have a very visceral response to art. So uh, it's for Bukowski, it's, it's easy and fun to read, and it, it just reminds me it, – it's just such a, a distillation of human existence. So really, it really depends, I mean, on what you can relate to, and that's what – you shouldn't take it personally if someone doesn't like your work. They just can't relate to it. It doesn't mean it's bad or it sucks. I mean, I put right. stuff out there. People right. could take it or leave it. Most people leave it, but you know, I try not to take it personally. and I, uh, you know, But I have a, a, a hardcore, small, loyal following that get it. And you're either on my wavelength or you're not. I mean like, like uh, filmmakers I like, like David Lynch and Jim Jarmusch, you're either on their wavelength or, or you're not. And they're lucky enough right. where they've been able to have a career doing exactly what they want to do without compromise. And I really admire and envy that, and I do the same thing just without the success. <laughs> but well, I have my artistic
0: freedom. But but success is also a very subjective thing. So you know you can't yeah. say if you're if you have the freedom to do what you want to do to write what you want to write, you're proud of your work. That's that's a success in itself, isn't it? You may not have the you uh, you may not have the the financial success, but but you know um, and like you said, well, you how know, did, some of these yeah. how do some of these people didn't come into their own until they were you know dead or almost dead.
1: So. Yeah, I I really don't want to. Uh, yeah, that is no consolation, but. <laughs> Sorry. <laughs> uh, but you know, well, you know my you know my Christian Slater story. I mean, everyone does because yes, I I was yes, this close yes. to quote unquote making it when because he tried for 14 years to make a, a movie out of Love Stories. of too violent for me. Uh, and we I don't want to rehash the whole thing. It it I mean, but it you know the, it got the book reissued. It was edited by Joe Clifford for Gutter Books. Uh, they also. Right published another Vic valentine novel hard Boiled heart which was inspired by my experiences with christian uh but he was so passionate about this project And this was a guy i have nothing in common with superficially i mean we have something in common i found out like we like sinatra and stuff like that but i he's a movie star i'm always just, just some schmuck when i wrote this book i was working for a blood bank for, you know, delivering blood and he's you know doing the movie true romance and stuff which was a movie i really related to And I wrote Love Stories of Too Violent for Me a few months before I saw that movie. So when I met Christian in 2012, I said when I saw True Romance, I felt like that movie was made just for me. And he said to me, I felt that way about your book. I felt like this was written just for me. So what that tells me is it's like putting a note in a bottle and throwing it out in the ocean. You never know who's going to pick it up. And in this case, this movie star completely related to this down-and-out loser, Vic Valentine. On what level, I still don't understand. But he was like my biggest fan. I mean he just he would quote passages to me from the book. He'd bring the book with him, the movie sets. He tried to dress like Vic Valentine. I didn't know any of this stuff. He had little action figures made up of him as Vic Valentine. Uh, we, we, we got storyboards done. I mean he was I would say obsessed with the, with Vic Valentine. So you never know who you're gonna connect with. You just gotta get your stuff out there. And this was you know, he just found it in a bookstore at LA in two thousand one and contacted me so he was really good to me he could have just found the book i was nobody and just kind of ripped it off but he tracked me down and then years later he flew me out to miami and he asked me to co-write the screenplay and he wanted me to go to film festivals with him and we had a producer and we had a budget a lot big names interested i'm not going to drop them uh storyboards done and then we're right at the go line it collapsed so i i've spent a lot of years recovering from that disappointment so it's kind of like it was affirmation of the fact that I, I could be more successful than I am. I just wasn't in the cards for whatever reason. So it's this weird um, dual effect where I feel completely deflated but inspired at the same time.
0: Well, let, you know? I want to kind of expand on that theme because when I speak to I, – I try really hard to speak to – either self-publish or small-press-publish authors who were debut novelists, because you know, I, I try to make room always in my schedule. Every month I try to bring someone new on. I appreciate that. Because, you, you know, a, 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 because otherwise who's going to put them on? Who's going to give them a platform? So, you know, I and they say, you know, how is it that I, I've written a really great book and, you know, everybody says it's a great book. But I'm not getting anywhere. I'm not, you know. I don't know how to explain that, but sometimes, sometimes you just have to be in the right place at the right time. Because I have to tell you, quite honestly, Will, some of the books that are out in out there now that are at the top of bestseller lists, I just don't know how the hell they got there. You know, it's just they're just garbage. Marketing, marketing. Yeah, that's exactly right. It's a, it's either. This is the newest, best thing you're ever going to read in your whole life, and you know, and, and somebody believes it, and they, they push it mm-hmm. through all the, the literary stuff. I, I, I don't understand. Um, I don't understand how certain writers can crank out the same book but just change the locations and the characters' names every single time. It's like they have a template. And and yet they end up making millions of dollars, and I think they're garbage. <laughs> Just, you know, well, you It's know, a horrible well, well, Pam, thing to say. But, but, <laughs> no, no, I, I I
1: understand. I mean I appreciate your honesty, and I also appreciate your support of, of video authors like myself. And I've been published traditionally, and now I have Thrillville Press, which is basically self-publishing, but it's my own boutique press. And I, I founded it because I was published by another small press, Double Life Press, which is a whole other sorted. Uh, horrible story in itself I'm not going to get into, and they I, they put out these anthologies of my work, the Thrillville Pulp Fiction Collection, and I organized the artwork. I basically did it all. They just put their uh, brand name on it, but then the whole thing collapsed, and it's just really a terrible story. So these things were already out there, so I just took them back, and I just reissued them in, under, quote, Thrillville Press, and that, Thrillville is my brand name, so I, had, I have kind of a platform. But I have to be honest with you. I mean, it's now that you bring it up, self-publishing uh, garners no respect in the literary community. I, when I post right. about my books, I get comments from people who know me, but hardly ever from other writers. When the when the movie deal was hot, and it looked like the movie was going to get made. Everyone wanted to be my friend, but since that fell off, no one really. Other writers, I mean, they kind of respect you. I mean, like, but they don't they. People think self-publishing, you're not getting the validation. You're not – I mean even – it's not just right. it's other writers. They, they right. will not self-publish because their peers won't respect them, and they need that validation. I, I just got over it because a lot of these guys – I was—I had a New York agent, Marilyn Mar- Marlowe at Curtis Brown Limited, and I was getting courted by Judith Regan at Simon & Schuster when they were toddlers. I mean I was playing this game right. long before these guys got into it, and so – I don't really care what people think of me because they don't know my backstory. I didn't resort right. to self publishing because I think I'm better or that, you know, I just don't want to bother with it. I did bother with it for decades. And Judith right. Regan, who went on to publish O.J. Simpson and Howard Stern and whatever, right. became a celebrity and she. Anyway, it's, it's a long story, and I had this agent, Marilyn Marlowe, Curtis Brown Limited, who was Paul Zendel's agent. I met Paul Zendell at the writer's unit at the actor's studio in L.A. when I was 19. I did a one-act play there, and Paul Zendell wrote uh, The Effect of Gamma Rays, and Man Metal- of the Moon, Marigolds, and The Pigman. Mm-hmm. And she was, Marilyn Mar- Marlowe I, – I just loved her name for one thing – but she was essentially a children's, a, a young adult novels uh, novelist agent. And she told me – you know, I I was giving her – I I was writing even weird stuff then, but she said said I was very literary, and I started dabbling in crime fiction, and she said to me, I know crime fiction writers. You're not a crime fiction writer. You're just not. And I I didn't know – I couldn't fit – they couldn't – Judith Regan or Meryl Monroe couldn't fit me into any kind of marketable uh, pigeonhole, and that's really what it's about. It's about marketing now more than ever. So the, yes, the thing I is, think so friends of mine for, for years just told me, "Go! Why don't you? Just, you have all these great books because they love them and they read the manuscripts. Why don't you just self-publish?" And I resisted for a while. And it's a long, long story, but Thrillville went on for years, and the theaters closed, and I I lost my job, and I, I hadn't been writing fiction for a while, so I went back and I finished this novel, A Mermaid Drowns in the Midnight Lounge, which is still my favorite. And it's I a great I, title. I out myself. <laughs> Yeah. through Lulu and what well, just popped in my head and Lulu didn't work out. And I, I didn't know what I was doing. So one of my first books I put out were little with typos and I just didn't know what I was doing, but I learned a lot about editing from Joe Clifford when he was, uh, although he didn't have to do much in love story, of the two violent form because it had already been published by another small Press. I learned a lot about editing from him and, and from reading and just, I've through press. Now I'm very proud. I put out quality products. I hire professional artists, interior designers. I have, you know, uh, beta readers, you know, so I, it's a small press. I mean, it's, it's, and I get as much attention uh, critically uh, and commercially for them as I do for books published by other small press, like the gutter, gutter books. And I have short stories in various anthologies. I'm very proud of, uh, I, I have one out called fish out of water in this anthology uh, um, called pop the clutch, clutch about fifties horror stories. And I'm in there with, like, uh, Joe Lansdale and people like that and uh, Max Allen Collins and and, uh, David Chow and and just a bunch of people. So I'm very – and they they came to me. They asked me to contribute. So somehow just me grinding these things out and putting my name out there, I've developed some kind of reputation that people hear of me. I don't know how they hear of me. I got a publisher in, in France wanted to publish me, and he also kept me on the line for two years before he finally said my stuff's too gonzo for France, me. I'm too Gonzo for France. That's great. And crazy. they like Mickey Rourke, my old friend right. Mickey Rourke. So right, yeah, I know. So I, 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 don't know. I mean, I, I, I see success stories on Facebook, and it, and it, it can get depressing because I, these guys, they've been at it for five years, and they have suddenly got this big career. And you know, I've been at it for forty. I'm fifty-six yeah. now. I wrote Chumpy Walnut. Yeah. I started writing it when I was sixteen. So I've been on my own most of my life, and I. I I do it because I love it. I write because I can't not write. I would lose my mind if I didn't write. And that's why I've always written. So when I realized that, I realized I put myself out there, but regardless of the commercial success, I'm writing for the same reason I've always written was for my own sanity, just for my own health. Um, It's very nostalgic, I'm assuming. It Uh, is. It's my art. It's It's not my career or my hobby. It's my art.
0: It just is. Yeah. Yeah, I would imagine I, – I, I, and it's in no way related to what you're talking about except for the fact that, um, uh, as most everybody knows, I'm a certified victim advocate. I work with domestic violence victims, and I always said right. one of the best things you can do is write. Just get on your computer and write everything you mm-hmm. feel or write, right. write it down on a piece of paper. Just get it out there, and, and then – Wait twenty four hours and see if you can go back and read and and they always tell me no, I can't, but I feel better so there is mm-hmm. something about writing that is very cathartic, whether anybody reads it or not, and if it is your intention because it, it's you have to do it, then by all yeah. means do it and I, and I have to say i 'm a fan of your writing um, i don't know okay. if I I don't know anybody else who writes like you, and maybe that's why I like it so much, because it's that, so different. That is and I,
1: compliment. That that is the biggest compliment I could ever get, ma'am. And a lot of people yeah. tell me that. Even if you don't yeah. like it, if you tell me it's like nothing else I've ever read, which is what everyone says it, to me, I feel yeah. like mission accomplished. Because I'm not trying to be like anyone else. I'm just being myself. Yeah, you're just I, being yourself. I, I, I love I love just being myself.
0: I well, think everyone it, should, you know. And, and here's the here's the funny thing. When I think about you and i see pictures of you and monica and i see you guys dressed up or you're holding a martini glass or a pineapple or some a pineapple with a straw on it and a, you know a, a, an umbrella i'm yeah. just thinking you really live the life that you love i mean your writing life is you on a low budget. Uh, it,
1: it, on a low budget, it, it
0: really is, <laughs> and and there's absolutely nothing wrong with that. Listen, I'm I'm a woman who lives with five cats and has twenty five hundred signed books in her apartment, but no television. So, wow. you know, it's it's it, every everybody has their own thing. You you can't walk by a surface without knocking over books here, but you uh, know, you know what it is. I I don't know. I don't know, I don't know how to conform
1: to. Facebook's community standards. I don't know how to conform to commercial traditional publishing. I, I'm like you. I read what's popular. I couldn't even. I couldn't write it because my heart wouldn't be in it. And and if your heart's right. not in something, you write. No one's going to like it, even if it's even if it's in a genre that's that's pre-sold. So you right. have. To, and the people who do love my work, what they're reacting to, whether it's Christian Slater or people I know from all over the world, really, who contact me about my work here and there. You know, Indiana or London or whatever. Right. Who just send me little emails, and I don't know how they found my work, but they're very passionate about it. They're, what they're connecting with is my um, uh, my sincerity, and and if you're very genuine and sincere and honest, the human condition is universal, and someone's going to be able to relate to your experiences. If they're especially if they're told from a unique point of view, because that makes it entertaining for them. But they can also at the same yes. time relate to it, and and right. that's 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 how you. I mean, we're talking about connectivity issues with T-Mobile in our interview. Right. I have connectivity issues just with the mainstream, and I, I don't right. even try. So I just it's well, not it... like I'm, I'm, I'm hoity-toity like oh, I'm above this. I mean, I like Batman. I like lots of things that are popular. But I, I relate more to, like I was saying, David Lynch, who, who is also a niche guy who does his own thing with complete disregard for the reaction. And I just respond to that because I relate to it because I'm the same way.
0: You know, um, it's interesting that you're saying that because to me, when you read, it it makes you, no matter what genre you read, you are right. It is about the characters and the human condition that we get invested in. It is about the people in the book. That's what we get invested in. So, so it can be, and I read across genre and I also read some nonfiction, although I'm not a really, really big nonfiction reader, um, I read a lot of cookbooks. <laughs> <But> when you're <laughs> when you're a vegan and vegetarian you have to read cookbooks, otherwise you're eating the same, you know, steamed carrots all My the time. My wife's the same and I, know you, I
1: know. I yeah, hear you. Yeah, yeah. Yeah.
0: Yeah. So, um but but the fact of the matter is, uh, I don't think there's anyone who hasn't been you no, know, most people don't know what a lounge lizard is, but Certainly, there are men and women who know what a lounge lizard are, and we have been one in our life. We've been an international man or woman of mystery and misery. We've been a a space cadet. We've been a dog walker. I'm a cat walker, cat sitter, anyway. We've been a lover, a loner, a fighter, and a fool. So, you know, you you kind of are every man in in your book, in in your character. So so, uh, Vic Valentine he, is yeah, kind of. Yes, Vic Valentine is. He he kind of is every man, um, and he just you just see him bleeding on the page. You you can see it. Well, I
1: think that's what I I don't know. Yeah, that's like I was saying. I just kind of bare my soul and just bleed onto the page. And then like I said, some some guy named some guy I saw in a movie. Finds the book by accident and relates to it. And it, it seems that it's really anticlimactic. He didn't actually realize his vision of the movie. But it's just the fact that I made that connection with something that I wrote that a small press put out there, and he happened to find an LA bookstore. And he told me the story. He was in there with his ex wife in, in LA in 2001, and Christian went in there, and they, they got a bunch of books, and he he just saw my book and title grabbed them. He started leaping through it, and he just immediately connected with it. He put it on the stack with the other books his wife had bought. They went outside the store. He looked inside the back and couldn't find the book, and she said, oh, you really wanted that? I put it back. So he actually had to go back into the store and buy it because she thought he was a That's kid. so funny. So, but this, what's weird is that that was the only book they ever published in the Wildcard Press, and those same people, Kyle and Catherine, went on to, find, uh, to, uh, to start up the Parkway Theater in Oakland, which is where they asked me to start my own – to produce and host my own uh, live show. And that's how Thrillville got started, and they asked me to do that to promote the book. So now, thrill in the books that I'm writing, it's all come full. It's, so thrillville encompasses all of it. So I just call it thrillville. Now is like I said, my pulp fiction It was a live show for a long time, but it's uh, it combines all the same elements. All of my same obsessions are in there. So uh, it, it's really weird. Had come full circle, gone in a loop, and it's it. Unfortunately, sometimes it feels like I'm spinning my wheels in the same loop. But I I just keep going, even if I'm not going anywhere. I'm just I'm just so let me ask you
0: going. this, if 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 they ever brought that that place back, that Thrillville place back, would you go back to it and produce oh, shows? Oh no 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 no. Well no 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 no
1: no no. Well for many reasons. One is I'm in Seattle now, and I did a couple here, and I hosted Noir at the Bar Seattle for a while, but I really don't. Mm-hmm. I never was comfortable being on stage. I mean I I cultivated this persona, and it. It took off on its own. I it mean, it was more popular than my writing was. I mean, because it, because because it, you're, it was a, you know it was a movies and a of burlesque act and a band and so and, and the movie theater served beer and pizza and food and which was hello it was a perfect mix of of, of right. hello can you hear me yes
0: yes yes uh, it was no, a perfect
1: ahead. mix of venue of venue and sh- uh, venue and programming and I was also the full-time film programmer and then for a lot of reasons. It was a very popular local institution, the Parkway in Oakland. That's how a lot of people still know me as as Will the Thrill, and uh, and then uh, they opened another theater in El Cerrito, and I did shows there. And you know, and I I got a lot of press down there. And then it suddenly collapsed, just like the movie deal, for reasons I'm not going to get into. I mean, there's external reasons and internal reasons. And I I lost my friends of many years because of it. And and then after that, I was really on the rocks. I went back to my writing. I actually got a job full-time writing with this company that turned out to be a bunch of crooks. And then Kristen contacted me and flew me out to Miami, and I was going to be this big screenwriter and get my movie made. And then that collapsed, and then I wound up in Seattle walking dogs. But since all this happened, I've put out eight books. So I just, I just, I just, uh, you know, I just uh, channeled all of this angst and and rage and sorrow and frustration creatively. I creatively sublimated it, which is the healthiest thing you can do.
0: Well, I have, to, I want to tell you something. Uh, you know, there I produce thirty shows in this network. There are thirty now, either live radio shows or podcasts or videocasts wow. in, in the authors on the Earth <laughs> network. Every single host is a writer, except for me. I think anyone who can write a book is – that is my celebrity. You are my celebrity. You are the person I want to talk to because you can write a book. You are creative in so many things, but you can write a book. I would give just about – I i almost want to say I'd give away my favorite cat, but that's not true. I would give no. just about yeah. anything – to To be able to write, I can barely get an email sent without screwing it up. So, so you know, I'm lucky if my shirt's on ins- right side in when I walk out the front door. I couldn't write to save my life. So well, that's two th- why two things, I. Pam. I'm,
1: I'm, well, yeah, well, two things. One is all of us. I'm speaking for all of us in the literary community on on Facebook and and beyond. I mean, you're our champion because you. Give us a platform and out of the goodness of your heart and it's we really appreciate it and you're doing a great public service, not just for writers, but for readers.
0: So oh, we we
1: need you too. But also writing is really all I can do. That's why I'm a dog walker. I don't really have a skill set. I mean I, I write compulsively. I haven't been able to merely make much of a career out of it. I mean, but I have a reputation. But you know, I walk dogs for money because I love animals and I need the exercise. Right. But I, you know, I can't, I can't not, I can't not write. I have to write. Right. So for right. me, it's almost like being, uh, it's like, it's like an addiction. Yeah. And that's just me. I mean, sometimes it feels like a curse because if I, if I wasn't, if I didn't have this, this need to write and get my stuff out there, it, it probably would save me a lot of frustration and misery. But once I detach any commercial agenda from it and it's purely artistic expression, I just love it. And that's why I keep there doing it. Go. I just I put it out there and I forget about it. you know, then I go on to the next one. I just and it took me a long time to get there. It was a very organic evolution.
0: Well, I'm glad you're where you are. Uh, at least I I appreciate everything that you do and I know others do too. Will you please tell everyone about your website and about where they can find you in social media when you're not in in you know the Popper's Jail. <laughs> uh, just good.
1: Just everything. Everything is at Thrillville, T-H-R-I-L-L-V-I-L-E uh, dot net. Everything. My fiction. Uh, a lot of stuff from Thrillville Past from my shows. Uh, a lot of interviews. I'm going to be posting this interview on there. Uh, so everything's at Thrillville dot net. Everything you could want more or less.
0: It's a lot of fun uh, to, to read. It's a It's a lot of fun to read your. I read your page like every day this week, and I always find something new to read. Well, Vaharo, I'm so happy that you and I had a chance to talk. Um, the Vic Valentine books are really a joy to read, but um, the 14 vignettes really tie everything together. Thank you so much for coming on the show. And hey, you know what good came of this? You have a new SIM card, and you can now, um, we haven't been disconnected <laughs> for almost 45 minutes. It's a yes. miracle. Yes, it's a record. <laughs> Thank me. you so much. Will you come back Thank and you, play Pam. guest host one time? Come back and and guest host for me and uh, pick out a writer you want to interview. You know, I,
1: I do, I do just about anything for you, Pam. So yeah, if I can pick who I could talk to, uh, sure. you can. Okay Okay
0: Even if it's myself (laughs) Even if it's yourself Thank you so much My love to Monica And you and I I'll be talking again soon Readers and listeners Thank you for being with me Stop by Thrillville.net And thank you mom and dad Good night everyone